My name is Kevin. Uh, we're in a series of generosity, hence the uh, title, uh, More Than Expected. And uh, we've been thinking about more than just generosity with gifts, which is typically what we think of uh, at Christmas time. We've been looking at it in different ways, uh, four different ways. We've talked uh, first about time. How do we be generous with our time? How do we be patient with people? Uh, throughout history, people have been waiting on God. And uh, we also learn that God has been waiting on us, wanting everyone to come to know him. So as we celebrate Advent, we wait patiently for God, but he is waiting patiently for us. And we need to also wait patiently for others. Then last week, we talked about uh, creativity. How do we create better? And Bruce talked about the amazing intricacies that God created uh, in his creation. We celebrated a creative God and were challenged to create better ourselves, not just with arts and crafts, but in structures and relationships and planning and organizing and being more creative in how we share the love of God with others because of the amazingly creative God uh, that we worship. Today we're talking about uh, giving more, and this is more the possessions, the, the money discussion. And next week we'll talk about being generous with ourselves, serving others, serving passionately. The reason that we can wait longer, the reason we can create better, the reason that we can give more is because God is generous with us. God is the source of our generosity. As I've been going through this series, working on it, Looking at it in my own lives, I can certainly tell you that generosity is not in my human nature. It's not natural for me to think of putting others before myself or giving my best. I'd much rather just take care of me and take care of my stuff. But because of God's work in my life, I've started to see that a loving God, that loving God and loving my neighbor is the way that God has designed for us far more than looking out for my own interests. God is love, and we are made in the image of God, and therefore we are to be loving and generous and not selfish. And as we look at uh, being generous with our possessions, with the stuff that we have, I'd like to follow a a similar format to what we've done in, in what I did the first week and just really just understand God's perspective up front, and then we'll dip into some of the practical application uh, in our own lives. There's nothing like talking about money in front of 600 people to get your nerves going a little bit when you talk about practical application and who you're going to offend today by whatever such a pointed topic. I can uh, tell you I'm going to be talking more about my own life, my own practical application. I'm not a financial advisor. You can go talk to someone who actually knows what they're doing uh, about that, but uh, I will give you some perspectives from my own life that I think uh, I've found helpful in my relationship with God. So, God is generous. He gave us his son. As we know, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Ultimate act of generosity. God gave us creativity. 
He gave us his creation as well. And that's where we're going to start today. That we are stewards of God's creation. I'd suggest that God's generosity in the area of material possessions is best shown in the giving us the creation to rule over. He didn't just give us a bit of creation. He gave us all of creation to take care of. It starts in Genesis 1, 28 to 30. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seeds in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground and everything that has the breath of life in it, I give you every green plant for food. As humans, God has given us this world to care for. He created it, and we have the responsibility to care for it. Continues on in Genesis 2. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. God created, as we know in Genesis, and then he turns over the responsibility to care for the earth to humanity. He didn't abandon us. He didn't leave us. He guides and directs, but he allows us to make his own, our own decisions. And this means that the source of everything that we have is God if we go back far enough. I have this shirt. I have my van, friends, job, money, because God has created it. And it's come about because God has entrusted humans to steward it. And so it brings up the question that you can think of while I'm speaking. Am I stewarding God's creation well by buying this shirt? By how I'm treating my friends? By how I'm using my money? We'll get there. But first we're going to go to an Old Testament story that I don't think is too common. Some will know it. But it says this. King David is speaking. And he says this in 1 Chronicles. Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you gave us first. So context is important here as to why he's saying this and what's going on. What's the story about? So David is Israel's big king. He's, he's the greatest king. He has a son whose name is Solomon, the wise king. David realizes that he has an absolutely beautiful palace, but the presence of God is in a tent, tabernacle. And so he ends up deciding that he is going to build a temple for God. God shouldn't be out there in a tent when I'm sitting here in this grand palace. So he decides he's going to build God a a beautiful temple. God says, thank you, but it's actually going to be built by Solomon, your son. David, you're a warrior, and you have too much blood on your hands. I need a man of peace to build my temple. So David takes the gentle rebuke and says, okay then, 
Solomon's going to build the temple, but I'm going to get the plans ready. Good father here. I'm going to get the plans ready. I'm going to get the materials ready. And I'm going to set up my son well to build this amazing temple for the Lord. I'm going to read to you a bunch of verses here. Uh, It'll take a couple of minutes to get through this chapter. Great story of what ends up happening here, now that you know a bit of the context uh, in, in uh, in this story. This is 1 Chronicles 29. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great, because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise and stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stones and marble. All these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold. My little Bible note here says that's about 110 tons of gold. Uh, 7,000 talents of silver. Uh, 260 tons of silver for overlaying the walls. And gold work and the silver work and all to be done by the craftsmen. Now who's willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord? Then the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of the thousands and commanders of the hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work of the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Any who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehel, the Jershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise to you, O God, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory, and the majesty, and the splendor for everything in heaven on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our Lord, God, we give you thanks and praise to your glorious name. And then comes verse 14, that verse that... uh, That's up there. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And and we have given you only what comes from your hand, what you've given to us first. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord, our God, As for all this abundance that we have provided for this building, for building you a temple of your holy name, it comes from your hand, and it all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with an honest intent. 
And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. O Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire of the heart in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, requirements, and decrees and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So all the people praised the Lord and God of their fathers, and they bowed down and fell prostrate before the Lord and the king. I feel like calling the ushers forward to take another offering. It's time for a building project, people. Let's go. It's an amazing story of generosity of the people of Israel. So, God created the world, and he entrusted it to us to steward it. And everything that we have, everything that is here, is his. That makes us managers, not owners. With our money, we're budget managers. With our house, we're landlords. With our land, we're the park rangers. At Forest Grove here, uh, I've been entrusted with budget lines, various different budgets. Let's say one of them has $1,000 in it. The expectation with this budget line of $1,000 is that it'll be spent in the overall direction of Forest Grove Community Church to help people experience transformation in Jesus. I have the ability to use the funds and the church has entrusted me with however I want, with the provision that as long as it's in line with the overall direction of the church. So there's some options here for me. I could end up, realistically, I could end up going and spending this $1,000 that's been budgeted on McDonald's french fries. Not sure how I would actually get through our four different layers of signing off, but I probably could, but that wouldn't be in line with the vision of our church. I would likely be reprimanded for, or have a whole bunch of questions at least, potentially even fired for such irresponsible behavior. Why in the world would you just go and buy a thousand dollars worth of McDonald's french fries? Like, what are you thinking? Another option would be that end of the year comes and I didn't spend it. I could hold on to the thousand and I could report that I did not spend a dime. We ended up a thousand dollars in the black. Thank you very much. That too would not be in line with the direction of forest growth. That wouldn't be helping people experience transformation in Jesus. And once again, I would probably be reprimanded for not spending what I've been entrusted with in line with the overall direction of our organization. I haven't done any ministry with it. That line is to be used, that $1,000 is to be used and spent for what it's been created for, what it was made for. This isn't a new concept. This isn't a new parable. Jesus told a parable like this in the book of Matthew. A manager is entrusted with the owner, the king's money. King goes away and expects the managers, three of them, to spend their money wisely. When the king returns, the manager... Uh, doubles the money and the master praises him and gives him more. The manager who hasn't used anything, he buried it. 
ends up getting some pretty sharp words similar to what Bruce might say to me if I spent $1,000 on french fries. The concept is called stewardship. We are entrusted to use or to care for or to manage what is not ours for the greater purpose. So whatever God has given us, our skills, our gifts, our money, our home, our car, our relationship, our job, is to be used for his purpose. The money I have, the house, the relationship, the career, what's the point? The point of it all is to use it for his purpose. The point of it all, everything that we have, is to use it as, to be good stewards of what God has been given to us. So God created everything. We're to take care of it. We're to manage what he has entrusted to us. And we are to use it for his purposes. What he has designed it for. What he has entrusted it to us for. So that paycheck that hopefully you received, what are you going to do with it? You're going to use it for God's purposes. So the question then comes, so what are God's purposes? And we can look into a variety of different ways into why did God give one person or other different gifts, skills, talents, abilities, those kinds of things. I'm going to summarize it real quick here when it talks about our possessions with 2 Corinthians 9.8. And God will generously provide all that you need, and then you will always have everything that you need and plenty that is left over to share with others. So the simple answer is that God's purpose for what we have is we can take care of ourselves. There's no problem. God wants us to eat and have shelter however we find what we need. But it's also to take care of others. It's a challenge to define needs with a group this size. We're gonna, what are, what's a need and what's a want is kind of how we end up thinking about what, what are various different needs. I don't think I can end up saying this is what your needs should be. But as I've worked through this, I can tell you from my perspective that I have a lot more than I need. And so those other things, that other stuff, I should use in a way that's for God's purpose. And I should share it with others. So we need to take care of ourselves. That's part of God's purpose. And whatever is left over, we need to share with others. Let's, let's do a little illustration here. I need six people to come up quick. Come on up, come on up, come on up. Six people, I've kind of thrown some people. Saying, yep, yep, no, right now, you just need to hold a sign. That's all. That's all you do. Here you go. Here you go, Randy. Here's your... You get to be needs, okay? All right, you get to be share. That's four people. <laughs> okay, we're talking about numbers here. We're not doing so well if we can't count to six. There we go. I need one more. Come on up. There we go, Gabe. Thanks. Okay, you guys get to be stuffed. Pass that to Gabe and you guys... Okay. So, uh, what we have here is our needs. Okay? Step forward. Step forward. Needs. Okay. So, needs here, that, that's the stuff that we just... Like, we need. God provides everything for our needs. Good. Wonderful. And over here, so what we, once we have that, then let's come over here to share. Share, come over here. Okay. Then we have share. And whatever is left, we share. Now, what typically happens, stuff, we have other stuff. What do we do with this other stuff? We, our needs are taken care of. My needs are taken care of. I have nice warm gloves for winter. 
nice warm house, I can get around, my basic needs are all met, and I've done some sharing. I give to the church, I've given to other people, I've bought some Christmas presents, and man, birthday presents when you have kids these days are expensive. So I've done, I've done a fair amount of sharing as well, and I still have this other stuff. So typically what happens, for most people, come here, come here, stuff. Gather around needs. Just gather around. Gather around needs. Typically what I have done is I have viewed that other stuff as kind of part of my needs. I've I've seen it more like a security blanket. So that if my needs aren't really met, I have this other stuff that ends up stepping in when necessary. Sorry for isolating you over there, but you're doing great. Don't worry about it. And I think this gets talked about in another verse here. Let me read for you 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 20. Command those who are rich, who have more stuff than they need, in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. To me, it sounds like this passage is saying that it's okay to be rich. It's okay to have more stuff than you need as long as you share that other stuff. And that that stuff isn't what you put your hope in. So what I hear is that instead of using that other stuff as our security blanket around needs, if I start moving my stuff towards the share perspective, I don't do this really well. There's some things that are kind of still stuck in the middle. But slowly I start going, okay, so how can I move that, those other stuff? You know that TV that you bought Black Friday? That was to share, right? Or was that a knee? Uh, that's up to you. I'm not going to, no judgment. I was, uh, some of those things, come here, Gabe. Come here, Gabe. Some of those things, I, this is where I'm kind of at. Stuff, may, you should probably come, if I'm really honest. Okay, come on back. Yeah, it's kind of like that, maybe. Well, okay, no, truly, honestly, come on back here. Okay, maybe, okay, well, I'm going to give myself a bit of credit. Maybe that's how my life looks. I still have some, I may move a little closer to be, just to be honest there. Yeah, there's still some security blanket there in my stuff. I think that if we are going to align our lives, this stuff is not mine, right? We learned that. That's God's. It's to be used for his purposes, not mine. I think the point is to move the stuff towards the sharing. To move the stuff towards God's purposes and not put hope in my stuff. Because when we all just gather around, well, I need it, our hope actually, we start putting our hope and our, our trust in material possessions and not in the Lord. You guys have done great. Come on, have a seat. You guys have done great. I think you guys, I think they get it. Thank you, thank you. Well done, people. It's not our stuff. 
It's God's stuff. God created everything. It's for us to manage. It's actually his. It's not ours. We're just, we're just the managers for it. God's vision is that we manage uh, what we have for his purposes and uh, move towards sharing with others. Just a real practical tip that I learned from a wise person in this congregation. Uh, I'm not a financial guru, but this person is far more than me. Here's a tip. Here's a way to think about it. This is overly simplified. I get it. I don't know your situation. Give more than you save. I don't know how that works with pensions and all the other stuff that comes off of, of, of this. Give more than you save. So if you look at your bank account, if, uh, we end up setting aside an amount each month to kind of save. But if I think that there's something wrong with my priorities if my money is all in savings and it's not, if it's far more than what's being given. I think we are responsible to shift towards the giving instead of the savings. A perspective on how much to give. The Bible talks about giving generously and giving joyfully. And when we end up having all of our needs, all of our stuff surrounding our needs, and just it's there and it's not moving towards give, it's really hard to give joyfully. When we end up having our hope in God and when our basic needs are supplied for, then give generously and joyfully to God. I'm going to call the worship team up. As they're coming, I want to give you one of my best tips as to how to get there. It's called thankfulness. It's something I try and teach my kids in every prayer we pray as we thank God for what he's given to us. Generosity and gratitude go together. Thankfulness leads us to contentment. When we are so thankful for everything that we have, it leads us to a place of contentment. When we're content with what we have, we don't have a whole lot of other stuff around our needs. We're content. We have what we need. And our stuff can be moved towards generosity. Thankfulness leads us to... uh, Thankfulness leads us to uh, contentment. Contentment leads us to generosity. If you're content with what you have, everything else is easily given away. We're going to close in prayer. Can you stand? I'm going to do one more little exercise. Instead of holding on to the things that are actually God's, they're not ours, let's just open our hands. We can hold on to them. We can still hold something in our hands right now. I could hold something in my hand, and it would be mine to steward. But it's a whole lot of a different posture instead of just holding it tight. If we hold it with our our stuff with open hands and allow God to move it wherever he wants it in line with his purpose, it will uh, produce amazing, amazing results for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. God, we know that there is nothing that we have obtained on our own. It's all yours. Help us to have open hands for you, to give you, and to take as you please. God, thank you for all that you have given to us. Help us to be generous with others. In your name, amen.